perfect time to get in board some experts. And for our markets discussion today, I'm joined by Andrew Solomon, founder of Asian Market Sense, as well as Aninda Mitra, who's the head of Asia Macro and Investment Strategy at BNY Mellon Investment Management. Good morning, gentlemen. Hope you've had a good weekend. Good morning. Good to be here. Fantastic. Um, you know, as we kick start, I want to talk about uh, the announcement that's come in from the mainland yesterday. I think that's taken quite a few people by surprise. Uh, and I want to start with you. Um, were you taken by surprise? Tell me that with the short selling uh, halt order that's come in on the mainland. Well, it's um, it's a bit unexpected, but not entirely a surprise. The reason I say that is because um, you know the reports of that stock market rescue plan still need to come together, and until that that actually materializes, the markets will turn in increasingly impatient. So to preempt uh, a sense of disappointment, uh, it's not entirely uh, you know a surprise that uh, they have to put in place some stopgap measures from to keep sentiment from worsening, uh, from, to keep sentiment from re-worsening, I should say, once again. So it's a stopgap measure until, uh, you know, more details uh, hopefully emerge on that stock market rescue plan. And, um, yeah, let's, let's uh, hope that'll come through soon. Yeah, I mean, it's been quite uh, quite a churn in the markets, hasn't it? Five-year lows coming in for the Chinese markets. We've seen, uh, you know, what the Hang Seng Index, unfortunately, it's been doing as well over the last uh, week. 2024 so far has not turned out so well for it. Um, Andrew, uh, you know, we've seen a slew of extraordinary measures really being announced uh, from China. I want to talk a bit more about uh, the sudden announcement that came in last week, but it is giving traders a lot of room to kind of play out how they're going to do. I'm talking about, uh, you know, the the 50 basis uh, uh, rate cut that's going to be coming in on the reserve ratio requirement. That's going to free up $140 billion in liquidity but it's coming in only from the 5th of February. Uh, what do you make of this announcement as well as combined with, you know, the short selling announcement? How could that play out and influence uh, the CSI? Well, the problem with the rate cutting is the fact that it doesn't actually really help the banks. I mean, who is the, there is no real demand for loans at the moment in China, and that's the big problem. You can give them liquidity, and, and to an extent that liquidity will help in the run-up to Chinese New Year. But I don't see many companies, you know, beating a path to the bank stores to ask for more money to borrow. They're not seeing end demand, and until they see end demand, they're not really going to want to borrow more money just for the sake. Just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's worth borrowing. Um, you know, they still haven't addressed the fundamental, you know, demand side of the equation, which is where the problem lies. Um, and you know, we have Evergrande in court today. It's really the property sector that's that huge weight on consumer confidence in China. Um, it, it's so much of people's personal wealth that unless that sector is doing well, people don't feel confident. And if they don't feel confident in China, they just don't spend. It's as simple as that. That's right. I mean, um, and you pointed out that there seem to be a lot of structural issues and what we've got so far are monetary measures. Uh, How far could these monetary measures go in easing or lubricating the structural issues? Do you think we're going to see more policy level announcements in terms of possibly boosting consumption, um, possibly addressing some of the labor market uh, imbalances that we've seen? Yeah, look, I, I think for that to happen, you need to see an expansive uh, fiscal stimulus program. 
Um, so I think Andrew's right in pointing out that the loan demand still appears to be very weak. So where will some of this excess liquidity coming from the triple R cut, where will it be absorbed? Um, you know, if, if the private loan demand isn't there, it would have to come from the official sector. And that's where we are hoping that the central government in particular will step in in a bigger way, or if not, uh, you know, or, or in, in, in addition to local governments who could issue more special bonds. And, and in, in, in doing, in providing this excess liquidity, it would, it, what it signals to the market is that the PBOC wants to push more credit into the system to revive the economy and do so in a way where at least uh, the, the official sector's interest costs or borrowing costs are contained. So, uh, but for all of this to materialize, the next steps need to materialize. Uh, you know, the, first of all, you need that stock market rescue plan to take concrete shape. And secondly, uh, it would help to have um, a, a fairly expansive fiscal program come together. Right. I want to talk about, you know, uh, and delve a bit more on what you touched upon, the provincial level struggles that we are seeing um, in terms of the next year. Uh, we've heard from most of the provinces, they're already saying, you know, they're going to see at least 5% and even higher growth for 2024. But we do know that if you take a deeper look into their balance sheets and the struggles that we're having, um, that they are having, um, there's a certain degree of cash flow mismatch. There's also extremely um, high levels of uh, debt. Uh, that they already have on their balance sheets. Um, Andrew, what's your sense on um, this imbalance at the provincial level? Well, I think you're right. It's just that it's a misbalance. It's not balancing out. It doesn't make sense. And it's quite interesting that this morning there's a story there that they're going to combine the bad asset managers in with the uh, sovereign wealth fund. And I think that really gives you a reflection of how bad the problem is, that the reality is that, uh, you know, a number of these local authorities are going to need bailing out. Uh, and that will have to be done from a very large central body structure. Now, Beijing still doesn't want to take that on its own balance sheet. Uh, and so if it can use the sovereign wealth fund and the bad asset matters to help bail out some of these local authorities, it will do that. And, and to an extent, that might give the market some confidence. But as Arne was saying, you know, we've really got to see a concrete plan coming out. At the moment, too often we've heard the officials talk, you know, to say what the market wants to hear about restructuring. But we really haven't seen, you know, that put into concrete plans. It's rather like when we were talking about abenomics a while ago and the, the mysterious third arrow that never appeared. Uh, unfortunately, China seems to be going the same way, saying great things, but never actually uh, seeing that come to uh, fruition. Right. And, uh, you know, I want to um, expand the scope a little bit. And we've been talking about China quite a bit. Uh, but let's talk with the broader Asian region as well. Uh, we're going to be starting a new month later in the week. That means a lot of manufacturing numbers are going to be coming out, Ananda, uh, you know, We've got China, India, um, Australia as well that's going to be uh, showing us how manufacturing shaped up over the month. Um, what are you building in and how would, uh, you know, how would you be seeing that play out? And that's going to be quite interesting. It'll be uh, particularly crucial to see if the China PMIs begin to stabilize and show some signs of improvement. Uh, we have noticed uh, a, a sequential improvement in industrial profits. Does that show up in some of the PMI numbers or not? Uh, will be will be a very interesting gauge to see whether the, the the down cycle at least has eased in China, or is there further to go, or or is there dire need for more policy support? 
In the rest of the region, I'm not very concerned about India. The PMIs are in very rude health. Uh, both uh, manufacturing as well as the services PMIs are in the mid to upper 50s. Uh, in the rest of the region, again, I think some of the electronics producers are struggling to pip above 50. Um, you know, they're latching on to that semiconductor-driven AI uh, order books, which are which are helping out. But uh, aside from semiconductors, you know, steel, shipping, uh, durable goods, uh, those are all still in a bit of a funk. So we're hoping that... Uh, to see some signs of improvements on that front, especially if, the, if as, as it seems, the U.S. economy seems to be stabilizing or at least not slowing as sharply as many people had feared. So I think that that will set the tone for the rest of Asia. Uh, as, you know, not a decoupling, if you will, but, uh, you know, moving away from the gravity of China a little bit is what we sense is playing out in, the, in, in other Asian markets for now. And uh, while some economies like India and so on seem very much, uh, you know, playing to their own, marching to their own tune. Right. And talking about semiconductors, Andrew, we saw uh, the announcement come in over the weekend. Uh, Wall Street Journal, Reuters, they're all reporting uh, that we could see... uh, extraordinary subsidies announced by the U.S. for semiconductor manufacturing, you know, in an effort to boost um, in an effort to boost uh, uh, their chip manufacturing domestically. Um, What's your take? Well, yes, I think America has got a a big issue here and it wants to make sure it gets as much onshore as possible. Uh, and, And the grants are obviously going to make it very attractive. But I think America still has a fundamental problem in not having the correct staff. It's been out of this business for so long, it doesn't have the immediately trained people to actually go and work in a lot of these fabs. Uh, and so there's still, you know, there's still some hiccups in that uh, chain going forward for America, but it's, it's looking to address them. And I think uh, certainly someone like Intel, who we saw as very weak on Friday, is likely to benefit from that. So uh, the sector likely to see a little bit of a bounce, I suspect, when the markets open on Monday. Right. The details are sketchy, but, you know, uh, some of the reports are suggesting that it's not just American companies who could stand to benefit. It could also be the likes of TSMC, Samsung, while they are, uh, you know, global giants for their manufacturing in the U.S. They could be getting some support as well. Uh, And talking about the U.S., it's a big week. We've got a whole bunch of earnings that are going to be coming out. And uh, besides that, the Fed open market uh, meeting and the notes from that's going to be released on in the um, on. Wednesday, rather Thursday in Asia, Wednesday in the US. Um, tell us a bit more about you know how you're seeing the United States really pacing uh, the rate cut cycle because that's what is top of mind for just about everyone and anyone that you talk to in the markets. Well, I think yeah, so no, far we've seen them be a the... very. Sorry, go ahead. No, carry on, carry on. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, this has been an area of great interest for the markets. Uh, they've been they've been very exuberant in pricing in um, a very aggressive cycle of rate cuts, 140 bips or more this year, uh, which thinks which we think is a bit overdone. Uh, we would go along with the Fed's own dot plots of roughly uh, 75 basis points of cuts. Look, we think the last mild hurdle in bringing inflation down to 2% is going to be quite uh, quite, quite challenging. Uh, yes, inflation is hovering around 3%. Uh, core inflation dipped below 3% on the PCE measure, the personal consumption expenditure measure. Uh, but again, getting to, to, 
to, to very close to 2% or below that level will, will take um, an extended effort. So I think the thing to watch at the FOMC meeting will be the degree to which uh, Chair Powell pushes back on rate cut expectations whilst also trying to retain some optionality for the March meeting should there be a need to do so. So I think that it'll be a bit of a balancing act and uh, he'll be on his tiptoes quite a bit at any press conferences. Right. And besides the FOMC uh, meeting, we also have uh, data coming in uh, later on about uh, the labor data. So the unemployment's expected to stay around the 3.8% mark, non-farm payrolls. And uh, as we tie it up, uh, then, Andrew, just leave us with a quick thought on uh, the labor market expectations as well. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be very important. That, you know, Are we going to see a tightening of the market there that, again, underlines what the Fed's looking to see? So it's going to be a busy week. All right. We leave it there. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining in this morning.